Hi, I'm Ray Bercier, and welcome to From Surviving to Thriving. Hey you, welcome back. This is episode 31. I am Raymond Bercier. And if you are a parent or soon to be parent who wants to give your kids your best, you're in the right place. In this latest installment of From Science to Woo and Everything in Between interview series, I'm joined by Nancy V. Brown. We had such a fantastic conversation. Nancy is such an amazing human being with an amazing journey and a mission to help others. Her journey, much like my own, started at age five. I believe that there are people we meet along our journey who come into our lives at the right time in the right place, and Nancy is one of them. In this episode, we talk about sensitive subjects from along her journey, such as sexual abuse to suicide, and how it has impacted her, but more importantly, how it has fueled her to serve others and make a difference in their lives. Let's jump into the conversation. Our guest today is originally from Costa Rica, where she lived in a single-parent household, and she moved to the United States at the age of nine. She is the author of the book, My Costa Rican Hummingbird Sings, Breaking the Bondage and Answering the Call. She's a master hair cosmologist and instructor with a specialty in hair loss, and is currently working on obtaining her doctorate degree in Christian psychology. She's a certified coach in areas of mental health, at-risk youth, addiction recovery, trauma healing, child sex abuse prevention and recovery, and a certified badass. Welcome to the show, Nancy. I'm so happy to be able to connect with you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of your show, and I'm so honored to be interviewed by you. I can't wait to get started. You know, I've been looking forward to this interview for a couple weeks now since we've been connected, and you are truly someone who really defines the journey from surviving to thriving. And that's why I'm really excited for the show, because I think that you have a lot to be able to offer, not only you know our listeners, but to the world in general. And I want to do everything I can to help get your message out. Thank you so much. Thank you for even for taking the time right now to follow your calling and to open up this platform for people to share. So, you know, God bless you. Thank you so much for all that you do. You know, a lot of what we struggle with as adults, you know, it generally comes from our youth. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, would you be able to be willing to share a little bit about your background in your childhood? Yes. So I've been, I'm originally, like I said, from Costa Rica. So, you know, when I came from Costa Rica, I did not speak English. Um, so I came here. I had that, the barrier, the language barrier. I couldn't even say hi in English. So it was definitely a culture shock coming here and uh, just seeing different people and the way just everything was just different, right? It was cold. I wasn't used to the cold. You know, kids would make, would be like, let me hear your voice. Let me hear your voice. Let me hear you say this. Let me hear you say that. So a lot of that uh, growing up, a lot of bullying, obviously, you know, I experienced bullying because I was different. I looked different. I was different. It was hard fitting into certain groups because I I was different. So um, I went through a lot of that rejection growing up. But 
you know, there were great times as well. In between, there were pockets uh, of uh, great times. But yeah, that was just one part. That was one part. The bullying part, child sexual abuse. I did experience that back home in my country. And then, you know, having to carry the secret around and not being able to tell the secret, right? I had to kind of figure out in my mind at at age five how to keep this big secret and how to protect this person that I love because the person, he was a family member, right? A close family member. So for me, I needed to protect this person. And um, so that was a lot of the burden that I had to carry around the childhood time. A lot of different things happened, but I did have a lot of uh, childhood trauma. And how did that really show up in your life? What type of experiences did it bring out in you, what you went well, I mean, around my adolescent age <laughs> stage, I really, I went through a rebellious stage. I was upset. I was angry. I didn't know why I felt that way. I didn't know why I was so upset. Well, like I knew why, but I didn't really deal with that, right? I was just upset and I was just angry. And then I started rebelling, right? Um, again, my mom was a single mom. She worked nights. She had to sleep in the daytime. I was bored, Um, you know, started hanging out with my friends, trying to be cool, trying to fit in, right? Into the wrong social groups, definitely making bad choices in relationships, the type of people that you choose, the type of people you choose to hang around. You're even like, wait a minute, why am I even around this? I mean, in your right mind today, right? When you look back, but at that time, those people, even though they were not the best people, they accepted me and they treated me kind, right? They were nice to me. They respected me and they were funny. And unlike the ones that were supposed to be the cool people or the nice people, but they treated me mean and they said really mean things when nobody was watching and they looked at me mean and they made me feel less than, you know, so, you know, definitely choosing wrong relationships. That's one of the one of the things that you deal with, with trauma, a lot of things, but that was one. And re- rebelling at the teenage years, rebellion and dating older men. I think definitely that's one of the things that we will notice with people who've been through childhood abuse or childhood sexual abuse. You'll notice that a lot of times they'll date older men, adult men in their teenage years because that's a um, a form of safety and comfort that that you're missing of a father, and you find it in the older men. That's one of the things. It's good to know, and definitely a warning sign to look out for. Now, a lot of your struggles at the time they could have been like the worst moments of your life, and there's a lot that you went through throughout your childhood and your teen years. Are you able to look back on any of the lessons that you learned from your childhood with gratitude? Yeah. I look at everything, I think, today more with gratitude because of the fact that everything that the enemy really tried to use to kill me, because those things, when I went through them, the level of attack and the level of abuse and the level of just demonic warfare that I was subjected to, a lot of people did not make it. A lot of people are not here today to even tell their story. And their story is probably way worse than mine's, okay? And some of them is probably not even as worse and they still couldn't handle it because everybody handles trauma differently, right? 
So right now I feel a sense of gratitude for my past and my pain because now when people come to me at that point of they feel like there's no return, they're ready to just be done. I'm actually able to say, I feel you and them know and know that they can trust me because I actually, I feel you and I want to see you win and I want to see you heal and you're not alone. You know, I'm able to give that gift back to somebody. So I think that for me is very healing in itself. And it makes me feel, even though I was ashamed and I'm still, I still have some form of shame around some of my abuse because of the level of it. Uh, I still have shame. I'm still healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Okay. So I'm not hard on myself for it. I thank myself to even show up and still even talk about it. But even though I went through that shame and that disrespect and the offense and the attacks and the persecution, and I wasn't believed. And I, you know, as a little girl, because this person has so much power and I went through all that, I have a voice today. I can speak English. I can speak Spanish. I'm working on Hebrew. I'm actually learning Hebrew now. And I'm able to reach out to so many people with my story and I'm able to help save lives, which is the most rewarding feeling that I could ever, I can't even express that. So I try to work on disattaching myself from the story. But there are times that I think of the little five-year-old girl and I know what happened because I was in the room. And that visual is very hard. It is hard, but I pray and I ask God to give me the strength to speak about it. I ask God to heal me every time I speak about it because I'm literally going in. It's like going into a burning house and going back into different rooms to save people out of the burning house and then having to come back out and then having to do it again. It's a process that I have to mentally prepare myself for sometimes. And, and sometimes I don't speak to people for a while and I'm focused on my healing and people call me and they're dealing with their personal issues or they're upset about something. I have to set boundaries. I have to close the door and I have to just say, I'm sorry. I'm working on my healing. Love you. But right now I'm healing me because I can't pour into people. And at the level that we're doing it, at the level that we're doing it, where we're talking to youth at schools, youths. We're talking to youth at centers. We're speaking to people in churches. We're getting the message out through social media. At this level, we have to protect ourselves. And so one person's problems or a bad day or they're angry at us and they want to curse us out today. Sometimes you don't have to reply to everybody. You have to learn the boundaries for yourself and for your health. And uh, that's one tidbit, a couple of tidbits I can leave behind. Just love you. You bring up a really fantastic point that I want to kind of dive in a little bit deeper on. Establishing boundaries. That is one of the hardest things that we as people, we have to do in our life. And it's not only establishing those boundaries, but also reinforcing them. So what does establishing boundaries mean to you when it comes to, when, whether it's with your work or whether it's with your family? What does it mean to you and how do you establish them? Well, establishing boundaries for me is really saying you need to respect me. That's for me very important. You need to respect me and you need to understand, you know, I put in a lot of work. So it's like, please respect me and respect my time. Right. And for me, the way that I do that is if somebody, if I'm around anybody who drains me in a negative way, makes me feel lower than and gives me low self-esteem 
And I'm very sensitive to emotions. I'm very sensitive to feelings. I'm very sensitive to energies. And kids who've been through abuse or trauma, they become very sensitive, very intuitive. And I'm very sensitive to vibrations. I can go around someone. I know they don't like me. I know they have an issue with me. I feel it. I pick it up. And then I have, I'm very sensitive to welcoming spirits. I'm very sensitive to fake welcoming spirits. I know you can't stay on me. You want to see me dead, but you're being fake. You know, so it's like you have to just learn to protect yourself and your spirit. And once you really learn to pick up spirits, you learn to deal with them accordingly. That's how I set my boundary by. I just stay away. I'm quiet and I just stay away. And I focus on my healing. And that means I may not, my mom may call me and I may not pick up the phone because I don't want my mother to curse me out today. And I know she's going to curse me out. I may send a message and ask, hey, is everything okay? I'm in a meeting because most of the times I'm in the meeting, like right now, this morning, I could not take any negative phone calls. I could not get cursed out. I could not get told off. I protected my spirit for our meeting. So to this morning, I ignored phone calls. <laughs> and you have to do that. You have to do that. You have to research. You know, if you're taking medication, research what the medication that you're taking. Spend time learning what you are doing, what you're putting in your body. If you're taking vitamins, learn what vitamin, like I know a lot of times I have a vitamin D deficiency, right? So I have to stay on top of that. So it's like, there's so much to do with yourself. There's so much to get to know about yourself. You're so such a masterpiece and you're so complex that by the time you're done dealing with yourself, anybody that gets your time should be bringing some form of therapeutic happiness, healing, love, something good, because tomorrow's never promised. Tomorrow's never promised. So I want to, I came in this world crying. I've cried a lot through my life. I want to leave this world laughing. And so for me, I want to leave, I want to work with the youth and I want to give back. And I want to, you know, like things that feed me and make me feel good. When I have low self-esteem, a lot of times I volunteer, I'll go into a deep volunteering session. I'll just be volunteering, volunteering. Nobody will see me, but I'll be volunteering everywhere. I only spend time with people who appreciate my time, respect my time, feel honored to be in my presence, are happy to be in my presence. And likewise for me, other than that, I just don't even just shut my mouth and get away. That's my new, that's as you continue healing, you learn what, what works for you. Learn your triggers. Learn your triggers. I know what offends me. I'm very sensitive. I think culturally there's a big difference. And I'm really learning that. I'm offended often. And I'm like, these people are so rude. And they, in my head, I'm like, they probably think I'm crazy. But I'm like, oh my God, that's so rude. They think that this is appropriate. What am I looking at? This is so disrespectful and offensive to me. And so I realized there's a cultural difference. So I asked God to give me patience to give me understanding, to give me wisdom on how to deal with these difference in cultures, in cultures, even language barriers. Sometimes the way that I really want to ex express myself about something, the word is so powerful in my language that it doesn't even express it appropriately. I'm trying to find different words to use, but they're not really giving it the power in between. So it's just, it's, I have so much work to do in my own mind that I cannot allow people who make me feel less than not loved, not appreciated, not supported, and not cared for around me. And that's the actual true power right there. That's when you take back your control and you really put the emphasis on what matters most, you, 
you don't need it from me, but I'm very proud of you for actually doing that. Because there are a lot of people out there who do struggle with putting themselves first. Going back to what you say about Masterpiece, uh, one of the things I always say is that it's okay to be a masterpiece and a work in project at the same time, because we were all born into this world. We are the one in 400 trillion, which is the scientific odds of being born. So we've always been, we've been born enough. But it's really important that people start putting themselves first because a lot of us, whether it's society, culture, or even family, a lot of us, we fall into those narratives that we have to give everything we have of ourselves to everyone else. And then there's nothing left for us to be able to give to ourselves. And that's something that definitely needs to change. Now, when it comes to setting up boundaries and making sure that you're establishing them, that is one of those things that is self-help, that is self-love. But how do you overcome the struggle with feeling guilt when you do have to enforce those boundaries? Because it's not easy enforcing a boundary. That was a good question. That was a really good question. It is hard. I went through a lot of, I've had to set boundaries with friends. I've had to set boundaries with family members. I've had to set boundaries with parents. So at this point, I think I'm just going to just say to you that it's not, easy. Sometimes you just have to like take back the power by not picking up the phone. You don't have to talk when they want to talk. If you're not ready to talk, you know, and really understanding that it's okay, you know, and you can send a message later on and just say, Hey, right now I'm studying. I've been dealing with homework or the children. I've been busy. I've had a busy week. I apologize. I will get back to you. You know, at least you can still correspond if you would like. That's a way to make it not so hard on you if you feel guilt as well, like you're being disrespectful. Again, culturally, we're taught to respect our parents, right? Even and obey, even if they're being abusive, we're not to talk back or we're not to uh, respond or deal with it or address it. And we're to honor them at all costs, right? And so, again, I just really am practicing, like you said, self-love, self-care, self mastery of how to address and deal with things that trigger me by not dealing with it. And that's how I deal with it. At the point where uh, there's friends that I just had to stop just speaking with because the direction of my life is going in a different place and I can't have certain triggers. Certain things will trigger me and it's not healthy for me. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I hate you. It's that I am healing and those things trigger me And I can't be around that right now. So I will be away from everybody. And that's what I do. I disappear. And I go to volunteer and do things that make me happy. And I see joy in the kids' eyes and joy in the people's eyes and the women that I'm sharing my testimony to and the families that I'm helping to heal. That's where I go. (laughs) Away. And that's very important for sure. And understanding what sets us off is part of the process. And knowing that if we can set those boundaries, it allows us the time to be able to not only give ourselves the love and attention that we need, it allows us to give the best of ourselves to everyone else. And I think that gets lost in a lot of what others may experience when boundaries are set with them. But you're so right. You talked briefly about inner child earlier. What does your thoughts and the importance that you set on your inner child? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I literally, I do have a picture of myself when I was like five years old, 
six years old, somewhere around there. And, you know, I don't have any pictures of myself when I was a baby. I don't even, to be honest with you, I don't even know where those pictures are. But I do have that picture. And sometimes, like I said, I take time to feel for the child. I take a moment to say, wow, this is what happened to that child. And this is why I have to rise up and be brave and get up and fight for. This is the little girl like me. Every day, this is still happening today to a child, not not just a little girl. It's happening to little boys too, every day. And so for me, I feel for the child and I love the child. I love the child and I embrace the child and I'm protecting the child. Every time I share or I speak up, that, that fear that I had, I wasn't allowed to speak. I wasn't allowed to speak back. I wasn't allowed to tell. I had to carry the secret and I have a sense of freedom and empowerment back for being able to share my story. And uh, yeah, I just focus on loving that child and protecting that child. And that's why I said it's so important to know what your triggers are. And sometimes you have to stay away from people, ignore people that trigger you and upset you and focus on loving you and that inner child. What's your thought about the inner child? You know, it's a great question. And I do believe that we have to respect the inner child within us because what we've gone through at the early age, whether it's abuse, whether it's trauma, any form of anything in between, right? It's something that when we were that young, we didn't know any better. There's three things in life that I believe in. I believe in that we know what we know, we know what we don't know, and then we don't know what we don't know. Right. When you're a kid, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know what's happening at that time. You experience it. And obviously, a lot of things can be such a negative aspect that can really derail you for quite a while in your life. Like my struggles with trauma began at the age five. And, you know, it would last for 20 plus years before I was able to start getting back on the right tracks. But, you know, the five-year-old me didn't know what the 39-year-old me knows now. And we can't hold ourselves accountable for what we didn't know at the time, because there was no possible way for us to know. And a lot of that guilt that we may have, that shame that you talk about, a lot of that that we have built up within our inner child, it's not ours to carry. We didn't know any better, right? So we have to find a way to let our inner child off the hook. Sometimes letting go is often easier than holding on. But that's not always the case. And it takes time and it takes healing and it takes, you know, self-love to be able to move through that. So I do believe that, you know, inner work with your inner child really has a place in healing. And really spending that time. I really, really, like I said, I took time to get to know myself and fall in love with myself. I date myself. I still do. I go and I'm married. Okay. I go and get something to eat. I treat myself. I do things for myself. I go for a walk. I talk to God. I have my own relationship with the Holy Spirit. Some people speak to the universe. Some people use words of affirmation. I use words of affirmation. Whatever you have to do to heal, do it. And don't be so harsh on yourself if you're struggling with your mental health, if you're struggling with addictions, if you're struggling with Things and addictions are not just to drugs, they're to food, they're to alcohol, they're to sex, they're to porn, they're to everything, anything that you just excessively have to do. Okay. And if you have are dealing with those things, seek some help. Try to get some help. 
and work on getting control because there's a balance to everything. Nobody's saying you can't live your life, but there's a balance, right? And sometimes we cross those boundaries and I've done it. <laughs> I've crossed the boundaries. That's why I could talk about it. And that's why when somebody comes to me privately with the issue, I could hear them. I could really hear their heart and I can know which hat I need to put on to help them understand they have a safe person and they can talk and I'm not going to judge them. So for me, that's big. Just giving, giving that love and focusing on healing that yourself, you know. And that's a very important point that you make there because I'm a firm believer that, again, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we can't experience. Like for myself, I'll never be a mother. I'll never give birth. So I'll never be able to experience what that entails. Like I saw my wife give birth, but that's not the same thing. And for you, you've gone through the trauma. You've gone through the abuse. And you know what it's like. And because of that, you're one of the people in this world who really are able to have that impact. Because I believe that unless you've gone through you know, mental health struggles, you may have a doctorate, but unless you've gone through something, there's only so much that you can help. There's only so much that you can know. So the people who've actually been in the trenches, who've actually walked those roads, are the people who I try to be able to help get their message out because an ancient Chinese proverb that goes to know the road ahead, ask those coming back. And you are definitely on the road back. And this is why your message is important to the people who've gone through this, because there is hope, there is light, and there is the ability to take back your life control and make it work for you, make it better than it was. And especially when obviously you have four kids, you want to be able to do everything you can to give them the best start in life, to give them to the point where they can have their own lives and make a difference in their world. I think also, you know, trying to lead by example, knowing that I'm not perfect and being transparent with my story. Like when I'm talking to somebody who has similar struggles, I let them know, like, I understand I went through that, you know, oh, yeah, I can relate. Oh, my God, girl, you're preaching to the choir, share, you know, and then they feel more comfortable and more safe and not judged because some stuff. I mean, I haven't been through everything. I haven't been to, through everything. Uh, sometimes people tell you some stuff that you're like, what am I listening to? I'm, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. But you have to know everybody's experience is different and you have to love people where they are. And you have to just say, you know, how can we grow together? How can we become better together? And maybe I can't help you, but maybe I can help point to the right direction, to the right resources. Why? Because I have to study this stuff to survive. I have to study this stuff. I'm studying this stuff and it's a benefit, but I'm studying it because I need it to survive. <laughs> okay. And as, as it's helping me survive, I'm helping others survive. And that's why I said that that's a win-win and I'm happy to serve. <laughs> that's amazing. And yeah, there in this life, there is no one size fits all to resolving and overcoming and healing trauma, healing abuse and all that. So it's important because it takes the right message from the right voice at the right time in the right place. And that's all it takes to be able to connect. And the more you can get your voice out there, the more you can get people to the resources that they need, the more people that can be helped. I want to say this. I don't want to come across like, you know, I went through this and I'm perfect. And, you know, I literally, I battled, you know, with depression. It comes in and out when it comes in. I'm in the bed for months sometimes. Like I'm in the bed and the enemy has, said to me, to, has told me to kill myself in the past. 
Um, so I understand when you're under attack, how bad it can be. And so knowing that you're not alone and there are people that have been through it and have come out on the other side, it's so worth hanging on because when you're in the storm, it makes no sense why you're hanging on. It's like, why am I even living this life? It's so painful. I know the feeling, but I promise you that if you hang on, you'll understand why the attack was so big on your life because there's something so much bigger on the other side. And that's why you're under attack. And that's why the enemy wants you to not be here with us, right? But this world needs you. And um, and there's resources, there's people that care and uh, always reach out for help. That's another fantastic point. You know, even in our lowest moments, we can find our biggest triumphs. Not to go too deep into this, because obviously it's a sensitive subject for you. In early 2020, you lost your sister, and this has really impacted your life. And I think it's fair to say that it's helped to magnify your voice for trying to get help for those who need it most. What does your sister's legacy mean to you in your journey to try and help get those from surviving to thrive? My sister's legacy really is also... Number one, it reminds me of that could have been me. That's a picture of when she went through this. She was fighting, dealing with depression. She went through a divorce. She was a single parent. She was losing her home. Her finances changed now that she was a single parent. And it really affected her, uh, her ability to care for her child. She had to move back in with her mom. She tried to get some help. So, you know, she started taking medication for her mental health. And that medication had uh, an effect. Uh, and sometimes some of the side effects are you get suicidal thoughts. And so um, a lot of times you think that you're doing the most and the best that you can. And then um, sometimes this this stuff still happens. And so really right now, I'm just trying to pray and hope that I can just help people know that they're not alone. And this stuff, like when you're going through that stuff, there are resources and there are, there are programs that can help in the USA. Um, this happened. My sister lived in uh, Costa Rica. So resources were even slim to none for single parents going through financial burdens and difficulties. I know I felt it when I was going through it. I felt it a few times where my bank account was negative and I was just like in the bed. My utility bills got shut off and I was home with those kids and when I reached out to my ex at the time, he was so bitter um, that he was not helpful to me. And so I really felt alone. I felt like the person wanted to see me fail, wanted to see me die. And I felt like I was failing my children. I was under severe, severe pressure. And um, the spirit of suicide came upon me. And um, that could have been me. So knowing that I didn't use my voice, I didn't share with her and with others, I didn't speak up. It just puts more pressure when it hits home because uh, when I wrote my book in 2017, I was fighting the spirit of suicide during that time. That's the time when I was really fighting the spirit of suicide. And God had me write that book while I was fighting the spirit of suicide. And that book, the purpose of that book was to help people not commit suicide. He told me that the suicide rate was going to go up. And so I put it in the book, just how he told me to write it. And after that, the attacks were just severe in every area of my life. And I just feel that sharing is caring and healing. And I'm praying to, to God that he'll use my story for his glory and that life will be saved by me sharing. And people will see like, hey, I've accomplished so much. And while I accomplished those things, 
I was struggling with my mental health and I was struggling with depression and I was fighting for my life. But I was still being used by God. I was still able to be in magazines and have my work featured internationally. And, you know, I'm still able to do things that I love to do and be used by God to help other people in the midst of me feeling dirty and not worthy and not good enough and be having shame from my, the level of attack of my abuse is very embarrassing. It's not something that I was prepared to talk about. So even in 2017, I felt I started to share a little bit of my story, but I wasn't ready at all. I felt kind of forced to do it because God was forcing me to do it, but I wasn't happy sharing my story. So I was like, even I was using cannabis. Sometimes I would, you know, probably have a drink before I interviewed because my nerves were so bad. My anxiety was so bad. Okay. And there's a lot of healing properties in cannabis. So I'm not saying anything negative about it, but the psychoactive, if you're not getting it from the right source, you don't know what's added to it. And I was having really bad uh, anxiety attacks with it because of I wasn't, you know, getting, I guess, the best quality stuff. Right. And so really educating people on CBD, healing properties, things that, that will help us to heal natural stuff that help us to heal teas, foods, just everything that God had me to put in that book at that time is coming out of me now for such a time as this. And it took that. And maybe God knew that it would have to take uh, such a level of, of attack for me to have to speak up and be brave and say enough's enough. I don't want more people to die. That's definitely, I think, a really important thing because the more we can get our stories out there, the more that we can help show people that you can go from experiencing these to overcoming and thriving, I think is very valuable. And support is the most important thing. You can get through pretty much almost anything in this life as long as you have the right support. I do truly believe that what you do provides the right support for those who need it. Because without that type of support, as you mentioned, there are people not among us that potentially could have been here had they had the right support. So I do think that this has been such a fantastic conversation. And I do want to thank you for coming on to the show and helping to spread your impact because it is really important. I am a firm believer that there is someone out there listening to this at that right time, that right place, and they want to be able to get your help further. Where can they reach out to you and where can they get your book to be able to help along their journey? Well, I would encourage them to follow Brave Girls Rise Up. That's my Instagram page. I have an Instagram and a Facebook for that page. That's where I post like just tidbits for mental health and people that are survivors of abuse, trauma, anything like that. And I'll focus on the healing journey, want to see positive stuff to uplift and also learn about it, even if they haven't been through it. As far as my personal page, Nancy B. Brown, they can always reach out. Right now, I have my book is down. I don't have it up, but it will be back up. So people, I would still want them to follow me and my journey so that as things start coming back up, I can post and they can stay updated with everything going on. I did want to say one other thing. Again, when I was a teenager, I did attempt suicide. And so I do want to say to anybody who's listening, who's in that place, that your life has purpose. Your life has purpose, especially when, you, when you're fighting, your life really has purpose. Because most of the people that I know who, have, who are at very high levels of just service and what they're doing, the impact that they're making in this community and this world, the stories that they have are so, I mean, they make you be like, I mean, how did you survive? So just know that God has a big plan for your life. It's not small, it's really big. 
especially if you're in a fight. So I'm going to encourage you to put down the pills, put down any of those thoughts, and just remember that, you know, you have a God that loves you, you're not alone, and you can always reach out for help. Very powerful and very true. And I'll put all the credentials inside the show notes for everyone to have easy access to, especially the crisis lines, which definitely do save lives. So there's always someone out there willing and able to listen to you because you matter. Thanks again, Nancy, for popping on our show today. Very, very honored to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks again for a great conversation, Nancy. I hope you all found this conversation as powerful as I did. That's it for this week's episode. If you want the support that you need along your journey to be the best parent that you can be, please feel free to join our Conscious Parent Support Tribe by going to www.worldsbest.support. And thank you for investing your time and energy into you by being here today. The best investment you will ever make is in yourself. I'll see you next week. Until then, just remember that you're one unwavering action away from a completely different life. To the journey, much love. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you've gained new insight. Don't forget to subscribe, take consistent action, and join us next time on From Surviving to Thriving Podcast. We're going to take on the world. Take on the world!